0: So it's fallen to me to bring this morning's message. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you've ever found yourself uh, maybe reading a story or watching a movie or watching a, a play, and, and as far as you've gone through that that story, you think you understand the plot, you think you understand where things are going, and then something happens, and you realise actually I, I have no clue where this is going. I must have dozed off. I must have been distracted. I thought they were friends, and now they're fighting. I, I don't. I know some of the trees of the plot line, but I do not understand the whole forest. I don't know what's going on. And for me as a child, when I looked at the, the Old Testament, uh, it was very much like that for me, which is there was just a whole stack of stories going on. There was Adam and Eve, there was Noah, uh, there was David killing a giant, uh, someone sang a song about Father Abraham having many sons, and I was one of them, but I wasn't a Jew. Uh, and, and the whole thing was just very very confusing for me, very bewildering. I, I understood various parts of it, but I didn't know where is this whole thing going? What is, what, where, where does it all travel to? So that's what I'm going to try to do for you this morning. I found many other Christians are in the same boat when it comes to the Old Testament. Uh, so I'm going to try and take you through the whole Old Testament this morning uh, and do so in 30 minutes. So we shall see how this goes. But let's Uh, If I can give you that main theme, if I can help you to to give you a main theme to cling on to as you go through the Old Testament, I believe it'll be a blessing to you. So let's pray and ask the Lord's help, and then let's begin. We give you thanks, our Lord and our God, uh, for Sunday, for your day, the Lord's day. Lord, we're grateful that we can come into this building and hear the preaching of your word. Lord, we're grateful uh, for what you have recorded for us in the Old Testament. We would understand it more, Father, that we could serve you uh, and that we could take these things and teach them to others. So we pray for your help now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. The central theme of the Old Testament is the Messiah. A lot of people at that point would say, hang on, no, no, isn't that sort of a New Testament thing? Isn't New Testament about the Messiah, about Jesus? Uh, but it is the same in the New as it is in the Old. The central theme of the Old Testament is the Messiah. The Messiah is coming, is the repeated message of the Old Testament. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And while you turn, let me set the scene. The Bible teaches us that God made the world and everything in it in six days, 6,000 years ago. Now, if you say, well, that's not what was written in my science textbook, that is because your textbook is wrong. You have been lied to. The whole planet was created 6,000 years ago. Uh, It was created perfect. Everything in it was good and right. There was no death. You say, again, that was not what I have been told. You have been misled. God was there, he recorded it for us in the book of Genesis, and it teaches us that God made the world perfect. But God had an enemy, one of his created beings, the greatest angel he made, a being called Lucifer, rebelled against him. Uh, He wanted God's throne, he wished to be God, and the rebellion did not go well for Lucifer. Uh, He managed to get a third of the angels, the other beings that God had created, to go with him. Uh, But they were defeated. And we now know Lucifer by his common name, the name you have heard, the devil or Satan. Uh, And those angels that rebelled with him, we call demons. God created a prison for the rebellious angels called hell. And some ended up there, but the remainder came down to earth. Satan came to earth and he found Adam and Eve, the first two human beings that God had created, perfect, in the Garden of Eden. And here was the perfect opportunity for Satan to strike at God. They say, if you truly wish to hurt a man, you can hurt his body. Uh, But if you hurt the ones he loves, uh, that's where the real pain lies. Uh, And this is what Satan did. He could see God loves these humans. If I strike at these humans, I strike at God. And that is what he did. He took the woman and he deceived her. He made her sin. Uh, And then the woman deceived the man. Or I guess you could say they were both deceived by the serpent. But either way... The man and the woman disobeyed God, and Satan knew better than anybody what God does to beings that disobey, to beings that rebel, and it does not go well for them. And he knew God would be forced to judge them, uh, and God did. God took those two perfect beings, who are now no longer perfect, he cursed this entire earth, and he cast them out of that perfect Garden of Eden. Uh, And things did not look well for us. We were now on Satan's side, despite the fact that Satan had done nothing for us. And we were now basically enemies of God. Uh, and, and things did not look well for the human race at that point. Uh, we had sinned. The punishment of sin is death, eternal death in a place called hell. And that is bad news for humans. Adam and Eve have children, and they discover that not only are they sinners, but that their children have inherited the same sin nature. And it almost seems like the human race is utterly without hope at this point, fit only for the judgment and wrath of God. And yet we find, even at the start, that God makes a promise to the humans. I will give you somebody, a human, that can fix this for you. A Messiah is coming. A Messiah is coming. If you look down there in verse 15 with me, read it with me. It's God talking to Satan in the serpent's form. And he says to Satan, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, And between thy seed and her seed. So her children and you are not going to get along well. One of her children is going to come along one day and is going to hurt you badly. Now, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. You'll be able to hurt him, but he's going to utterly crush you, Satan. This is the first very small sliver of hope for humans. The very first promise that a Messiah is coming. A Messiah is coming. That person is what the Jews would call their their Messiah. And here Adam and Eve are told a Messiah is coming who will defeat Satan. There's not much to go on, but that is the beginning of the central theme of the entire Old Testament. A Messiah is coming. And the further you go on through the Bible, it starts to unfold more and more about this Messiah. You get a lot more to go on than just that. So let's push on. Uh, Adam and Eve's children uh, grow up. They start to marry each other. They start to kill each other. Their sin nature manifests. They start to try to make themselves very comfortable here on earth, as comfortable as they can be. Uh, And eventually, they make themselves utterly wicked, uh, to the point where God looks down on the earth and says, there's basically only one guy and his family doing right, and the rest of them are are bad, are rotten. So if you've ever thought, look, there's a lot of bad people on earth, but if only we could wipe them all out and start again, surely things would get better. Well, that's already been tried. God has already done that once. He took a man named Noah, who was the only righteous man with his family left on earth, uh, and he wiped out the rest of the, the earth in a great flood. Uh, and so now, now we, know, we know two things. We know the Messiah is coming from a descendant of Eve, but we also know now that the Messiah is coming as a descendant of Noah, because everybody's descended from Noah. Everybody else was wiped out. The Messiah is coming. He'll come through Eve. He'll come through Noah. And Noah's family begins to repopulate the earth. They try to all hang together, despite God saying, look, you all spread out now, please. Please. They start to build a tower that God destroys, and they are scattered uh, with many languages across the face of the earth. And out of all these descendants of Noah, God picks a man named Abraham and says, You, your mind, come with me. The Messiah will be coming from you. Turn with me now to Genesis chapter 12. I'll show you where he does this. In Genesis chapter 12, we see God start to give us a bit more of a clue about where the Messiah will be coming from. Now, the Lord said unto Abraham, read in verse 1, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed." Abraham, I'm going to turn you into a nation. Your kids are going to have so many kids that one day that's going to be an entire nation of people. And I'm going to use that nation, your children, to bless the entire world. And that blessing being spoken of there is the Messiah. The Messiah is coming through Eve, through Noah. Now we know through Abraham, through Abraham. The field is narrowing where the Messiah will come from. God takes this man, Abraham. He shows him the whole land of Israel, which you can see today. It's just there to the east of the Mediterranean Sea. And says to Abraham, one day, this is where all... you Remember I said, I'll make you a nation? This is where you guys are going to live. And Abraham said, well, there are, there are already people here. And God said, that's okay. They're, they're pretty wicked people. Uh, I'm going to wipe them out one day, and I'm going to use your children to do it. And this is where your people, your, your nation will live. One day, not yet. The Bible tells us that that man, Abraham, for a guy who was going to turn into an entire nation, uh, he had a son called Isaac. And that son, Isaac, had a son called Jacob, and that man, Jacob, had 12 sons. And one of these sons was a man named Joseph. And he is hated by his brothers, so they sell him into slavery, he gets shipped back to Egypt. And eventually his brothers all join him there. And those 12 sons have a whole stack of kids. Like, to the point that over a couple of hundred years, there's now hundreds of thousands of millions of children there. These are all descendants of Abraham, and they become a nation. They are called uh, the nation of Israel. So if you ever heard that term, the nation of Israel, where does it come from? Sons of Abraham basically grew into that many, uh, that many people. Uh, now, that was kind of a problem for the Egyptians. They didn't really like having that many people living with them. You put two countries together like that, uh, people start to get nervous. So the Egyptians took those, took those Israelites and started to enslave them. So God raised up a man named Moses and said, all right, all right, this is now a nation. I'm going to take you to that place I promised. Uh, Come with me. And he said, I'm going to make you my nation. So I'm not just going to show myself to Abraham and be just the God of Abraham. I'm now going to be the God of a nation. I'm going to be a God of the nation of Israel. And I'm going to use you guys as an example. Everybody's going to understand about who I am and how I am, because I'm going to be the God of you, your nation. Now... Uh, I guess at the start they would have been kind of flattered by that, but there was also a lot of challenges that went with being the nation that God had chosen. Uh, But God took them and he gave them all his laws. He laid all his laws out before them. uh, And he tells them uh, what they need to do in order to go, in order to be all right with him, in order to be accepted with him. Uh, now, remember I said to you earlier that God does not tolerate sin. Well, he gave the Jews a way to deal with their sin. The Israelites a way to deal with their sin. He said, every time you sin, what I want you guys to do uh, is I want you to take a perfect lamb. Get a perfect <laughs> lamb uh, and then cut its throat and burn its body. So utterly destroy that lamb. Uh, and we, we'll put the sin on the lamb and that'll, that'll deal with, with your sin there. Now, there is a catch. It doesn't, it doesn't work forever. You have to keep doing it. Every time you sin, take a lamb, kill it. Uh, and it will pay the price for your sin. If you're thinking, that's a rather, that's a rather strange thing to do, what's the, what's the real point of all that? The point of all that was that lamb was to be a picture of the Messiah who would one day come and he would fulfill the place of that lamb, except he'd be able to do it once forever to solve the problem of sin. So now we know the Messiah is coming. He's coming from Eve. He's coming from Noah. He's coming from Abraham. He's coming from Jacob. He's coming from Isaac. He's coming from those 12 sons. He's coming from the nation of Israel. This is where the Messiah will come and he is going to deal with the sins of human beings, the human beings. Now, one of those sons of, of Jacob, one of those 12 sons, his name was Judah. And God gave another promise regarding specifically that tribe out of Israel. It said this, it said, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. So he said one day all the other people of Israel are going to worship Someone that comes from Judah. It also said the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Judah shall be the ruler. So we have even further narrowing down who the Messiah is. He's going to come from the nation of Israel, but he's going to come from the tribe of Judah. The picture is building. We push on. Uh, We push on. Eventually, these people who become a nation and who are living there in Israel... Uh, they, they were originally set up as a theocracy. It was just supposed to be God to be their head. Uh, and you know how children look around and realize what everybody else is doing and they don't get to do it? And if you're a parent here this morning, particularly if you're a Christian parent, your children should be having that experience right now, uh, which is all the other kids get to do this uh, and we don't. Not everything, but there are certain things that you don't do. And the children uh, will right, always say the same thing, which is, but everybody else gets to do it. Why can't I? Well, the Jews said this as a nation. They were a theocracy. They had no king, and they looked around, and all the cool nations had a king. So they said to God, look, I'd really like to have a king, please. And God said, you really don't want that. It's going to be bad for you. He's going to tax you. Uh, he's going to take your children to be his servants. Uh, you don't want that. And they said, oh, no, we, we really do. And every parent has done this where you say, okay, have it. You know, when they really want to touch the oven, and at the end of the day, nothing's going to teach them except touching the oven. Well, God did that to the nation of Israel. He gave them the king that they truly desired. Uh, And it really didn't go well for them. They got a chap called Saul, and he started out pretty well from the tribe of Benjamin, uh, and, and it did not go well. It did not go well. Saul was killed, and a man took over whose name was David. And what was special about David, many things. One was that he loved the Lord, but he came from the tribe of Judah, Which came from the nation of Israel, which came from Jacob, which came from Isaac, which came from Abraham, which came, and you see, you see now it's coming all in a line. We're getting more and more of an idea. And God said to this king David, He said, "When thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever." God promised. David, that I will bring a Messiah out of you and he's going to rule as a king like you do and he's going to rule forever. So now we know the Messiah will be from a woman. He will defeat Satan. He will pay for the sins of men and he will have a scepter and a throne in a kingdom forever. The Messiah is coming from David's descendants. David has a son named Solomon. Solomon starts out well and ends up very bad. He, he really makes life very difficult for the people of Israel. Uh, And when he dies, everyone's kind of glad. They're really happy that he's gone. Uh, And they come and say to his son, can you go easy on us? Your dad was really rough. Uh, And he says, mate, if you think dad was rough, wait till I get on you. Now, he was from the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. They hung out together a lot. Everybody else was from the other ten tribes of Israel. Uh, and in difficult times in nations, you have natural lines of fracture. And one of them were these tribes that existed. So 10 of the tribes said, well, you know what, blow that, uh, we're out. Uh, we're going to go and be over here. We'll be the kingdom of Israel. Uh, and you guys can hang over there, uh, the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, and the whole nation splits. So if you're ever there in the book of Kings and Chronicles, and you're wondering why there's two different nations, what's going on there, that's what happens. There's a a national fish, a bit like if the whole east coast of Australia got rid of all the trash on the other side, uh, let them be their own nation. I, I guess, um, a bit like that. Uh, they, they form into two nations. Um, now, the, the 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 tribe, the kingdom of Judah, uh, the tribe of Judah was a lot bigger than the tribe of Benjamin, and in the end, they just got the generic name, the kingdom of Judah, and that was shortened to Jews. So if you're wondering, how come they were called Israelites once upon a time, and then in the New Testament they're called Jews? Well, the reason is those ten tribes that went off on their own, it went really badly for them. They were taken away by the Assyrians, and they disappeared from history. They bred intermingled with them. I guess they are today. Some of the Arabs are their descendants, but we know nothing further of those ten tribes. That split off from Israel at that point. But we do know about the tribe of Judah and Benjamin, the Jews, they continued on for a lot longer. Eventually, they were taken away themselves, and it looked like the whole prophecy would be lost. The nation of Israel would be destroyed, the descendants of David, the tribe of Judah would be taken to Babylon, and that would be the end of them. Uh, And God would not have any of that. He brought those people, those Jews, back into their nation. Uh, He let them rebuild their temple. And that's where the Old Testament wraps up. The Messiah is coming, we know he's coming from this tribe of Judah, uh, but he has not showed up, and this is BC what, BC 400. Uh, now, what happens in the next 400 years is called the 400 silent years. Uh, God does not speak any more to these, to these Jews. The Jews are there in Israel, uh, a guy called Alexander the Great, you may have heard of him before, uh, he comes along and he conquers the entire, the whole region, and the Jews have to live under his boot. He dies, and one of his generals takes over in that area, and he's even worse. Uh, He really makes life miserable for the Jews. Uh, Finally, the Greeks have had their day done, and a bunch of Italians come along and take them over. Uh, You may have heard of them also. They're called the Romans, Uh, and they conquer the whole area. And that's where we find ourselves that right at the beginning of the New Testament, Israel, the, the Jews have been are being ruled by the Romans, and they're really having a bad time. They are not enjoying this. And their Messiah still hasn't come, and they want him. They want him bad. They are tired of being oppressed by other people. God said he's going to rule, and he's going to rule forever. So when he finally comes, he's going to boot the Romans out, and he's going to rule, and everything's going to be great For the Jews, Uh, and that's what they're looking forward to uh, when the New Testament begins. And they get it. They get what what they wanted. They get their Messiah. He comes, and his name is Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible, the Old Testament tells you more than just all that history. It's full of uh, songs, it's full of prophecies, it's full of uh, many things that tell us other things about Jesus, uh, about this Messiah who would come. Hundreds and hundreds of prophecies. I'll give you an example of one. One says this, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Ooh, Judah again, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be a ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. So they were told... Your Messiah is coming out of Judah, but he's going to be born in a place called Bethlehem. The Messiah is coming from a town of Bethlehem. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, it says this, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. So we find out about the Messiah that he'll be born as a child and a son, and his name will be the Mighty God. We find out this Messiah will be both human and God himself. The Messiah is coming. It continues in verse 7. It says, "Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever." So it gets better for the Jews. He's going to not just rule Israel. He says he's going to rule the entire world. So not only are they just going to get rid of the Romans, they get to take over the Roman spot in ruling everything that there is to be ruled. Uh, And there was given unto him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Would that excite you if you were a Jew? I mean, if I heard that there was going to arise a ruler in Australia and then we would be the main guys that would rule for forever and Australia would become one of the greatest and mightiest nations, uh, that appeals to me somewhat. Uh, I'd be pretty happy to hear that rather than some of the other things God promised nations uh, in the Bible, like you will be utterly wiped out and no one will ever hear of you ever again. Uh, But the Jews, I say that when Australia is quite a lovely place to live. If you can imagine Israel at this time, it was quite a difficult place to live with other people's boot on your neck. So they were pumped. For this Messiah. They were, they were just looking for him everywhere. And the situation was perfect. You know in the Bible how there's all those genealogies recorded. This guy begat this guy begat this guy begat this guy. The reason they were tracking all those genealogies back. Is so that when someone did show up and say I'm the Messiah. They'd be able to say well let's find out. Is he a descendant of Eve? Is he a descendant of Noah? Is he descendant of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob? Is he from Judah? Is he born in Bethlehem? So, that, so they could track all those sorts of things. And He comes. Jesus comes and shows up to the Jews, Uh, and he is not what they wanted, and he is not what they expected at all. Uh, If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, let's have a a look in there. Matthew chapter 1. And the first thing you see right here when it first starts talking about Jesus uh, is that genealogy, and you'll notice... Uh, some things that it points out straight away. Look in verse 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Hey, hey, he's in the line. That's what it's pointing out there. And then it begins, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob. And it goes on and proves Jesus' lineage, where he came from. If you look down in verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child, of the Holy Ghost. Uh, So that was another prophecy of Jesus, that he would be born from a virgin, and there it was, being carried out. Uh, He was everything the Jews should have been looking for. However, there were a batch of prophecies about the coming Messiah that didn't line up with what they were hoping for. So if I told you someone was going to come and was going to be great, uh, how would you imagine they would come? Well, I would imagine they would be Very good speakers. Uh, I imagine they'd be quite powerful and influential. Uh, I'd imagine they'd probably be quite attractive so that people would listen to them and want to do what they're going to do. And I would imagine they would wield a large amount of political power. But some of the prophecies about Jesus, we've already read this morning. You heard them from the Bible reading there. Does that line up with what you would expect from the great, the mighty, and the one who shall rule forever and kick out the Romans? Well, not really. Not really. Uh, Sure, he would come as king and rule the whole world, but there were prophecies that said he was going to come humbly, And meekly, in Zechariah we read this, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just in having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass, and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. The Messiah will bring salvation, but he will come lowly, meaning really humbly, riding on a donkey. And not just a donkey, but a young one. So that's not just a Datsun 180B, but that's a beaten up Datsun 180B, shall be his mode of transport, and that's how the king is coming. And that should have been the first sign that something wasn't going to go exactly the way these chaps had planned. Uh, how does that fit with the all-powerful conquering Messiah? Then there's that whole chapter in Isaiah 53 we read. Turn with me there, please. And, and let's, let's go through and have a look at what else we're going to see from this coming Messiah. Isaiah chapter 53. If you look down there in verse 2, it describes him. This whole chapter is describing the Messiah. It says, he hath no form nor comeliness. It means he will not be attractive. If you look in verse 3, it says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. So the, the Messiah, when he comes, people aren't going to want him. If you look in verse 4, it says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Uh, so the Messiah will be afflicted. He will, he will endure great misery. Uh, Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The Messiah was going to be taking punishments for us. That's not what you expect. If I do something wrong, I don't expect that people are going to give Scott Morrison a good flogging on my behalf. Um, You take your own, but this great and powerful king, he was going to take their iniquities and their sins and pay for them. Uh, Look down in verse 7, it says, he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter." He's going to be killed. He's going to be cut down like a lamb. I don't know if you've ever seen sheep, but they don't fight back when it comes to being killed. They just they just die where they stand. The Messiah would be killed like a sacrificial lamb, which sounds familiar. Look in verse 10 there. It says, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, the Messiah will be an offering to deal with sin. In verse 11 it says, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear Their iniquities, the Messiah, will take our sins and justify us before God. What the Jews failed to realize is that all those prophecies concerning Jesus were going to come true, but it was going to happen in two parts. There would be a first coming of Christ, where Isaiah 53 would be fulfilled, and then there would be a second coming of Christ, where they would get all the nation-conquering, world-conquering, great eternal ruler that they could ever have asked for. Uh, The first time Jesus came, he fulfilled Isaiah 53. It wouldn't be till later, and it still is to come for us, that he would fulfill the conquest and eternal rule prophecies. Uh, And this was a massive disappointment for the Jews. Initially, a lot of them flocked to him. He was giving them free bread. Uh, They loved him. When he came in to Jerusalem riding on that donkey, uh, they said, Hosanna, Uh, glory to God in the highest. Praise the Lord, he's here finally, thank goodness you're here, mate, finally you're going to boot out the Romans. Uh, And even his disciples were convinced this is what was going down. So the biggest debate amongst the people that followed him was who got to be top dog when he is finally ruling the entire world. You know, you can almost see him marking out their plots. Oh, I'd like a bit of Samaria. Uh, You know, he's going to do this, we're going to be the ruler. And Jesus would keep telling them, no, no, I'm going to get, I'm going to be killed. The Messiah has to be killed. You see here how it's promised? Yes, it has all these prophecies about who he'll be, and yes, I'm him, uh, but... All these negative things have to happen first. And they would actually try to correct him and say, oh, it's not going to be like that. You're going to rule, mate. We, we got this. We got this. Uh, but it did. It happened just as Jesus said. The Jewish religious leaders took the Messiah. Uh, they killed him. Uh, they fulfilled Isaiah 53 to the letter. They buried him with criminals, as was prophesied. And then he rose from the dead three days later. And the whole thrust of the Old Testament is about that Messiah. It's all about proving his lineage and then proving who he will be. In fact, there are so many prophecies about Jesus that even people that don't believe them have found it a bit difficult to accept that they were written before Jesus came along. Some people used to try to say, look, surely given how Jesus fulfilled all those prophecies, somebody must have written that after Jesus came. Pretty easy to be a prophet when you've already seen the cricket scores. Uh, it was their idea. And it wasn't until they found copies of the Old Testament significantly older than that that they've had to find up other ways and other reasons to disbelieve. Um, but that, that is the Old Testament summed up. The Messiah is coming. God's plan for the Messiah was that he would restore the relationship between God and man. Satan destroyed that relationship. He made us sinners. He bought the wrath of judgment of, from God upon us. And then Jesus came, and through him that relationship can be restored. Just as those Jews in the Old Testament sinned, and a lamb had to die to pay for their sins, so Jesus was the perfect lamb that had to die once to pay for the sins of men and women. And so we as Christians, if you were here this morning and you are saved, that is what will happen to you. One day you will stand before God, and he will demand of you perfection and sinlessness. And if it wasn't for Jesus, for his sacrifice, for his payment, uh, we would be doomed, we would be damned. And if you are here this morning and you will not accept the Lord Jesus, I must warn you, that will be your fate. Jesus is the only hope that you have to be be safe when you stand before God. It says in the Bible, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Why does the Messiah matter? You must have the Messiah when that day comes, or you'll be ruined. This was the first agenda for the Messiah. He could have come the first time and just ruled. We would have been ruined, but he would have been fine. He would not have had to go through anything that he did. He could have skipped straight to the ruling part, but he chose to go through all that that you and I might be made and found righteous before God. My plea to you this morning, if you are here and you have not already done that, is that you please do not leave this building before you've come and talked to someone and let us take the Bible and show you why it matters that the Messiah was coming, and that the Messiah has come, and He is everything He promised He would be. He is everything He promised He can be. Only Jesus Christ can save you. So let's finish up. Let's just do a quick recap, and then we'll be done. So let's go through it again. I'm a school teacher. I have to do this at the end of every lesson when I see the students starting to drift. Adam and Eve are created perfect in sin, but then they are created perfect. Satan has some sin, and they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and God promises, I'll give you a descendant from Eve... That will take care of the sin problem. Their descendants become wicked and are wiped out in a great flood, except for a man named Noah and his family. So we know the Messiah will come from Eve, from Noah. Next, we find out that God has chosen a man called Abraham and says the Messiah is coming from Eve, from Noah, from Abraham. Abraham has a son who has a son, so now we know the Messiah is coming from Eve, from Noah, from Abraham, from Isaac, from Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons who turn into 12 tribes, and out of those 12 tribes, which we call collectively the nation of Israel, we are promised that from the tribe of Judah, the Messiah will come. Then the Israelites give themselves a king, and God says, right, the Messiah shall come as a descendant of David, who is from the tribe of Judah. That is who your Messiah will be. The Messiah is still coming at the end of the Old Testament. The Greeks come, the Romans come, and then comes Jesus. He is the Messiah in the flesh. The Jews reject Jesus. In fact, oddly enough, they're still waiting for him. They're still looking forward to that Messiah coming. And they'll know he's here because he's going to take over the whole world, uh, which sadly sets them up badly for the Antichrist to deceive them. Uh, but that is what they're, ex- they're expecting. Jesus will come again. The prophecies about him setting up a kingdom in Israel and ruling the world, and the, the, the Jews were hoping for back in the New Testament, those prophecies are going to come. That's what, if you've ever heard of the second coming of Christ, that's what we're referring to there. He will return. He will carry out those things. The first time He came was to purchase our salvation. The second time He comes in judgment to rule, but that is grist for another mill and for another sermon. So there you have it. That is the forest. That is what the Bible is all about. You can take just about any book from the Old or New Testament, and if you can understand it's all either pointing to the Messiah or saying the Messiah is coming, then you'll understand what the Scriptures are saying. And things will start to make a lot more sense. Let's pray, brethren, and and we'll be done. We give you thanks, our Lord and our God, uh, for your word, Lord. Thank you for for all that you have recorded here for us. Perfect, without error. Lord, we're so grateful uh, that you you sent us the Messiah, Lord. We're so grateful we don't have to guess and go off the word of a man who said, well, this guy's the Messiah, Lord. We're so grateful that we could, could see from your scriptures that Jesus is that very Messiah. And we're so grateful that even today, men and women can call out and reach out to that Messiah, not just for the Jew, but for all men, and that we can be saved, Lord. I do pray that yeah, you'd be with the brethren as they go out this week, Lord. I pray you'd help them to proclaim that same message uh, to those that do not know you. Lord, I do pray for those that are here that do not, that do not know you, that have not put their faith, uh, that even now your Holy Spirit will be working on their heart, Lord. Please don't let them go home until they've made a decision for or against you, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.